often remind particularly the young people that the best time to start a quote plan B is while plan A is still paying the bills. And if you wait until something unforeseen happens, a lot of times that's not a good time to try to start something new, particularly if there's going to be potential limited income in the beginning stages. Most people can't withstand that. Welcome to the Cashflow for Life podcast. We believe there are two types of people in this world. People that have greater cash flow coming in every single month or people who have cash flow going out. We believe you need to be the type of person that has cash flow coming in, and that is what this podcast is all about. Our mantra is simple. If you take care of real estate for the first five years, real estate will take care of you for the rest of your life. If you're looking to achieve financial freedom through real estate investing, you're in the right place. Andrew Holmes, a renowned expert in the field, is your guide on this journey. Andrew is the driving force behind National RE Invest, the largest real estate investors association in the United States. Together, we're here to help you build wealth and create more cash flow in your life. Let's get into the show. Hey, Cashflow Squad. Today, we have an exciting episode. It's all about going from uh, wholesaling to being wealthy with uh, real estate. So we have Mr. Dan in the studio. Mr. Dan, welcome to the studio. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, so, Dan, I want to jump right into it, right? You're an old guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right? Uh, but, no, I mean, just to, for the audience to kind of put this in perspective, right? right? Um, today, we see a lot of people, young people coming into real estate, right? All this information is everywhere about investing. At, in terms of chronologically, you know, meaning that uh, what was the stage of life that you came to real estate and why? Well, like so many people, you know, I had a quote corporate job and, and I had a good salary and bonuses and company cars and expense accounts and all that good stuff. But you realize that you're chasing somebody else's dream and you're never really in the ultimate control of your own life. I mean, you think you are and you think you're on the bus, but there's somebody else that decides if there's going to be cutbacks or layoffs or, or closing plants and all sorts of things happen and you're just along for the ride you're not really taking charge of your own life really so i want to kind of ex explain that a little bit because um you were in a sales job i was right corporate sales mm -hmm. right and you had kind of grown with the company right yeah i was the fifth uh employee for this startup company back in 1998 as a matter of fact i was there a year before they ever shipped the first unit. Okay. And so from there, you guys grow. You were a huge part of that team, mm -hmm. right? And everything was great until uh, something happened in your life, right? Things are going very well. And there's a statement that you have made about something about plan A and plan B. So explain that. I mean, what is that statement? And then explain what you mean by it. Because what we're going to talk about, sometimes when things are going good, I think will really drive that point home. So what was that state? Well, you know, I often remind particularly the young people that the best time to start a quote plan B is while plan A is still paying the bills. And if you wait until something unforeseen happens, a lot of times that's not a good time to try to start something new, particularly if there's going to be potential limited income in the beginning stages, most people can't withstand that. So thankfully, I had, uh, I kind of bumped into a business. I started with a friend back when we had jobs, but up to the point where, you know, I had lost my job, we just built that company. We never took any money out of it. And at the point where I actually needed some money, thank goodness, it was there to draw from. Got it. So you have your a corporate job at the time, mm -hmm. right? You're making good money. Life is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, how many kids do you have? I have three daughters. Three daughters, okay. Uh, and your wife. And your wife at the time was a full-time stay-at-home mom. By choice. Right? By yeah. choice, right? Mm -hmm. So she's at home. You guys are, things are going pretty good. And then you kind of, with a friend, you start a side business. Today, people call it a side hustle, whatever it is. But when you started the side 
business, obviously none of us know what's going to happen three years, four years down the road. But when you started, was there a vision? Or was it one of those opportunities that just God blessed you with and you bumbled into? Or was that something purposeful? Yeah, we kind of backed into it. I'll say what it is. Sure. It's an ATM machine business. Okay. And that business really parallels real estate in a lot of ways because nobody gets a, uh, you know, a 10 pack starter set, just like nobody starts with 10 houses and go, here's your starter set. Sure. Everybody starts with one. With one. And with that, one turned into two, two turned into five, five turned into 25. And today we have about 180. 188 ATMs. Yeah. Okay. So you go and stuff the ATM. People mm-hmm. basically pull out the cash out of it. They do. And uh, uh, when they pull out cash out of it, you guys make a small fee, but that small fee adds up sure when does. you have that many out there. It does. And why it correlates to real estate, because it's one day a week of doing work and seven days of income. Got it. Okay. And a lot of times, you know, we, I mean, this is uh, one of those businesses that maybe if you had said to somebody, say 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, right, uh, we were all in the habit of going to ATM and uh, pulling cash out, right? And that one time that was a thing to do, right? Yet even today, still that's a business. It's a very lame business, but it makes money. And those boring, silly businesses make money day in and day out. It's it's almost mind-boggling. But across our network, we're vending about fifty thousand dollars a day. A day. A day. Okay. Yeah. Just, just it puts people things in perspective, right? So think about that, right? People, somebody, and people are not drawing, you know, ten thousand dollars off the ATM. No. Right? These are small amounts, right? Twenty right. bucks, hundred bucks, two hundred bucks at the max, right? Max is two hundred. Um, max is two hundred. So imagine, and every time it's a dollar, two, three fee, whatever that that fee is, mm-hmm. right? Some of it probably goes to the uh, place, and some of this goes to you guys, right. right? So you have this business, right? Things are going well, and suddenly. Something happened in your life, right? Uh, what was that event? Because, and I started this whole thing with a joke. Like sometimes people get offended. Oh my God, he called it old. No, it's just for age, <laughs> right? And no, I mean, because sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm trying to put this in perspective because, you know, we take a lot of things for granted, right? I took, you know, uh, everything for granted until say two years ago, two and a half years ago. One fine day within a matter of a month, both my parents are gone. I had never thought about death in my life until that point because life had been pretty good. I've been very fortunate, right? And then within a month, my father's gone, my mom's gone, boom. And I'm like, oh my God. Now, if I have a like a hang to uh, like a nail, I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying, right? I mean, it, it's like it changes your perspective about life. Something happened to you, which statistically, you should not be here. <laughs> well, uh, in 2007, in January, I was diagnosed with stage four had a neck cancer. And I literally didn't work for a year. You know, had a feeding tube hanging out of me. I'm getting radiation twice a day. I had a port where I'm getting chemo 24 hours a day. I mean, I went from 230 pounds to 150 dripping wet. I mean, I was an absolute disaster. And at the time, you know, we talked about going to work for a startup business and startup businesses have a founder and then it kind of outgrows that person. So they bring in maybe somebody that can take it to the next stage. And then the next senior management people know how to raise money to build it further. So over time, there's a variety of new, quote, top people. And at the time, the new you know, president CEO had only started with the company maybe in August, so maybe six months. And when he got the news, he called me immediately. And he said, hey, Dan, listen, I just wanted to call you immediately. First of all, say, I'm sorry to hear the news. But more importantly, I wanted you to hear this directly from me. I want you to find the best doctors and get the best treatment and knock this thing out because you're a tough guy and I think you will. And when that time comes, this will all be here waiting for you. And they put me on long-term disability for a year and they literally held my job during that time. So this is the good part. That's the right? good That's part. the good part. And I want to, and I'm, 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 well, hold on. Before you go further, mm-hmm. I want to reflect on something else you said, talking about how we think things are good. You know, at the, at the point where I'm 60, you know, I have some reflection because I can look back on my life. And I think the danger that we fall into, at least I think I did, is that whatever job we're doing and whatever money we're making, we only think it's ever only going to be that and more. 
Nobody contemplates a situation where it might be less. The reality is, sometimes that happened. So even though your company was, at the time, they were in a position where they clearly, the CEO was probably new there. They're like, you're one of the top sales guys, right? So obviously, any company will value that, right? But yet, it's it depends, right? And it can change. It can change within a matter of a month, two months, six months. Things change. So before I kind of go there, here you are, you have three kids. At the time, your kids are what, in high school, college? Uh, uh, high school, two in high school, one like middle school. Middle school, okay. And now the main breadwinner, of the uh, you know, in the family, and I mean, nobody's going to say this, obviously, but uh, even for your wife, she's been a stay-at-home mom, right? She's eminently qualified in terms of her education, but, you know, she's been out of the workforce, and it's like, hey, we nobody wants to think this, but I'm not sure if our dad or my husband is going to be around. I mean, this is just a fact of life, right? I mean, and, we did a couple of house projects. Right. We redid a bathroom and said, what are you doing? I go, I'm not sure I'm going to be here. I want to make sure there's a couple of things taken care of in our house for my wife and family. Right. I mean, because it, it really puts everything in a whole different light, right? One thing, th- one day things are good and another day, I mean, you're like not sure, right? And I say that because it changes things. The, at that point, financially, even though you are on long-term disability, right? Did your wife start thinking, okay, well, maybe I need to go to work, maybe something? Was that a thought process started at that point or no? It didn't at all. And the the real blessing in all of this is the fact that my wife was a stay-at-home mom. She drove me to every doctor appointment. She was alongside me every step of the way. She came with the times when I was in the hospital. She was there every single day. And if she had some corporate job and she did some travel, that would not have been possible. You know, they say that uh, women should marry up. I think here, you married up, man. I was trying to keep that a secret, but <laughs> I think people that know me and know my wife, they already know that to be right. true. No, I mean, no, you're listen, really blessed, right? You're listen, blessed I would tell family. you that I have made a lot of mistakes and bad decisions in my life. We all do. The one decision that really matters in life is I have a great wife. No, I mean, picking the spouse, you definitely you know, trump that one, right? Because yeah. you need a support. And we're not talking about just understand, guys. Uh, on a part, we're talking about uh, wisdom issue here, right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about from a standpoint of, um, you know, because that a lifelong partner, that can either make you or break you. And we see that a lot of times, right? Money mm-hmm. comes, money goes, right? That is just life, right? Things happen, but yet... You, on that front, at least, you had a huge, huge, huge support system through, through thick and thin. I did. Right? Now, let's move that forward. You go back to work, right? Mm-hmm. And things, again, you think, eh, pretty good, man. I yep. didn't yeah. die at Back least. in the groove. Right? Back in the groove. Hold right? on. You say, didn't die at least. Let me reflect on something else quickly. So, you know, I'm an old guy. So, I graduated high school 1980. So, I'm the class of 80. Right. In 2007, when I was diagnosed, uh, I considered what I had my little, quote, cancer class of 2007. And in that year, uh, my wife's sister was diagnosed with breast cancer. And there were six other people that I was aware of that were, you know, not family, but arm's length relationships, no of them kind of thing. And a year ago, November, we lost my wife's sister. And at the point when she died, out of the eight of us, I'm the last man standing. And sometimes that just kind of sends goosebumps up my arms when I say that because you really realize the enormity of the situation that I've been through. And obviously, this is all about cash flow, right? Mm -hmm. This is about real estate. Yet, you know, there are, as in life, there's a lot of things that are a lot more important, right? And that's why I wanted to bring up because I wanted to put this in perspective, how people come to real estate. Because right. at this point, you had nothing to do with real estate still. Other than paying my Other mortgage. than paying <laughs> them, of course, right? But I mean, from an investment standpoint, that's not right. really. Okay. That's right. So then you go back to work, mm-hmm. right? And how long were you there before they took you to a steakhouse? Well, everything was going good until we had new management come in yet again. In next level of growth. Next level of growth. And now we're bringing in people from big companies that don't understand the industry and think everything works the same. And it was my boss's boss that took me to a big fancy steakhouse in town and pushed 
an expensive steak and an expensive bottle of wine into me as he's telling me how they're going to be phasing me out of the company. Right. So basically, you know, uh, we're getting you drunk when we give you this news. Yeah, right. But basically, <laughs> in a very nice way, pretty much a nicer form of polite way of saying, hey, we're making different plans, now we have to change, you already know. And it's not that you may have seen that writing on the wall, but certainly that, hey, changes are afoot, right? I mean, yeah. and that's really what they were doing was that, you know, you've been with us, blah, blah, I'm sure there was a pitch. But at the end of the day, you got to go looking for something else, that's pretty right. much, right? That's right. Now, at the time, in terms of age, how old were you? 50. 50, okay. So for a 50-year-old, you have kids at home, they're going to college, mm-hmm. right? Now it puts a whole different spin in terms of what am I going to do financially? Now, the fortunately, at least you had some income, which is from your ATM business. That's right. Right? You had some income. At that income. point, I said, I tell my partners, I go, listen, you know, I don't live high in the hog. I do have some bills I got to pay. So while we haven't taken any money out of this company for years and years, now, now, is the now yeah. I don't need a lot. But I need enough to tread water while I can sort some things out. Sure. And that's the sheer blessing because without have started plan B while plan A was paying the bills, I would have had no toys. I would have been forced to go get a job. But, you know, and especially in a, med- in a, in a news media cycle in the social media, right, today I think what we fail to see that this is basically 101 American business. Right. That 99.9% of your American millionaires, right, besides all the nonsense that we see on on YouTube because uh, or, or on social media, is, oh, everybody has a big car, blah, blah. Guys, that's not reality, right? If the reality is that you financially, maybe you didn't know it, were much better off than most people because you had a plan B in place that you didn't go up your lifestyle. You lived on your salary, you managed within that, and you let the plan B grow. Right. So now when you need it, at least you have something to pull from. It may be a lot of income, but at least you can keep keep your head afloat. Absolutely. Right? So at that point, what was, did your wife go to work? What was kind of the uh, family planning at that point? Uh, at that point, um, you know, I was stumbling and bumbling around trying to figure out my way in real estate and uh, largely wholesaling because I needed income, and I thought that could be a revenue stream for income. Uh, I had no idea that it was going to be as hard as it was to actually do that and get going in it. And again, I, I can't say enough good things about my wife because so many people would probably have a wife that's going, "Hey, we need money. Hey, this isn't you know you're not making any money here. We you know you're going to have to get a job or something like that." My wife never said that. My wife said, "Not only do I love you." I believe in you. I know what you're capable of. I've seen what you've done in the past. Don't you dare quit. You just keep doing what you're doing. We're not missing any meals and we're not missing any mortgage payments. You just keep doing it and everything will work out just fine. Because I think, you know, a lot of times, Ben, whenever, you know, we don't have uh, that you've been a man of the household, uh, of the house, right? You have kids to feed, you have responsibilities. It's not like you don't feel that pressure already. Oh, yeah. Right? And now on top of that, you're trying something new. And mm-hmm. a lot of times that happens that people try something new, they're all gung-ho, and obviously uh, it doesn't <laughs> work, right? It doesn't work in the first, what, you know, like... It, it, a lot of times, like what you can do in your sleep today, at the time, right. you're spending hours and hours and hours, and you're like, I can't figure out a simple thing. So I want to kind of fast forward this. But hold on, though. Let's, let's put something in perspective. People that get an education of some sort to become an accountant or CPA, to become a, a you know, mechanical engineer or something, there's years of school, there's internships, there's hours of studying to get to a point where someone is willing to give you a good paycheck for the skills that you now have. And somehow, a lot of us, maybe myself included, you know, we get all revved up about something and we think, oh, golly gee, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to rip down six figures. This is going to be easy. And then you realize it's not quite that easy. Right. And there's a learning curve there's like there is to anything. 100%. Right. So you get into wholesaling, mm-hmm. right? You go to a bunch of courses, right? travel around the country, try to basically seeking for seeking answers, right? right? Like most people, right? Um, now you had a wonderful start year one, right? You made a whole ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, because today people see your results, they're like, oh my God, man, then does, you know, but yet, uh, you know, I mean, it was humbling, right? 
first year, what would you say you made? <laughs> well, I'd have to calculate exactly, but I, I think it was somewhere around the nine-month mark when I finally closed my first wholesale deal, and I made a whole $6,000, and I started realizing that if I added up all the hours of time, I would have made more money working at McDonald's. And then at the point where I made $6,000, if I add up all the out-of-town events and cars and planes and meals and courses and software and, 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 I only needed to make about another 15 to break even. Right. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Here's what's interesting is, like, a lot of people will stop there. That will see, Andrew, I told you wholesaling doesn't work. Right. right? And yet, I mean, you've... I mean, in terms of properties, you have millions and millions of dollars of properties because you learned wholesaling, meaning how to acquire, how to basically find off-market deals, really, mm -hmm. right, and keep them for yourself. But you guys have definitely made hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions, doing wholesales after that first nine months. You think that was kind of almost like a test sometime life has for you? Yeah, I think it's a test. How bad do you want this? How bad? Right. And, you know, I think I was sabotaging my own success to some degree because in today we live in a world where if I'm going to write a contract for a house with a seller off market, it's closing no matter what. Right. We may assign it to somebody else. And if not, we're going to close. So we're never not going to perform for the seller. And in the early days, I had zero resources. I had zero plan to close. And I think I was almost afraid they were going to agree to my contract right. because I knew the only way that was going to come true is if I could find yet somebody else to take my position. And that's kind of nerve-wracking, different off-market than a listed property where you never meet a seller. There is no relationship. You're just a name and a number on a piece of paper. And when you sat in somebody's living room for two hours, making a friend and getting them to a point where they like you and trust you, that really cranks up the pressure on better do what I said I was going to do. Right. <laughs> and I, I want to say this, especially to people uh, now that we jumped into the real, the real estate discussion of it, right? This is really important that for wholesalers, a lot of times, right, people get into it. Well, you don't need uh, any money, right? You don't need any credit. Uh, and it's easy and simple. And that's where the, the part of it where you don't necessarily, and I want to I qualify this, you don't necessarily need any money. You don't necessarily need any credit. That's for sure, right? You, but number one, it is not easy and it is not simple. Once you figure it all uh, out, then but, it's simple. But it's doable. It's doable, correct, correct. But I will say this, that number one, if you are, and I mean, I, I promise you this, if you are making money doing anything and doing successfully, guys, listen, you're going to work your ass off, period. AI ain't going to do it for you. I know today, ChatGPT is supposed to do everything for everybody and make money hand over fist, right? This is nonsense. It's utter nonsense, right? Now, that doesn't mean it. these are tools that can't help you. These are tools. That's all they are, right? right? Nobody is going to put money in your bank account at the end of the day, right? And so now some... A lot of things changed for you, and those were changes that, when you look back, they're like, oh my God, those were huge, dramatic shifts, right? Yet, it was because you put in the work, right? You're kind of bumbling along, you're going along, you're trying to do a lot of different things, right? At that point, somewhere along that journey, we get introduced, right? You mm -hmm. show up to one of the RIA meetings, mm -hmm. right? And then you came to a three-day event. I did. Right? You came to a three-day event. I knew you because you were hustling. You were trying to do some wholesales. You were doing some wholesales. Mm -hmm. Right? But you didn't have... You had a Dan the hustler, not Dan a business person at that time. That's right. Right? So now... And then there's been a massive shift from there to some of the things that you started putting in place. So you show up. There was an interesting thing. You came to the office... Right. And you made a statement I'll never forget. You're like, Andrew, man, this. I mean, this is something. And you're, you're older than me. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you could be my brother from another mother and taller. Right. But I mean, literally, because we share that same thing about, hey, man, we want to do well, blah, blah. At the time, you're 50 something. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm at the time, maybe in my late 30s. Mm -hmm. Right. And you said something which was very profound. Right? And I, I thought... And very uh, humble. No, no. But, 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 you know, a lot of times, most people wouldn't have that guts, what you did. Because you came in and you're like, man, I don't know how to say this. 
but uh, you know I can't afford this, but I cannot not afford to be a part of it. You said something like that. Yeah, right? so listen, I can't afford to be in this program. At the same time, I can't afford not to be. Because we all know the old saying, if you're going to continue to do the same things the same ways and expect different results, that's insanity. Right. And so, you know, one of the things, you know, I, I talk to people about sometime, and you can probably see it in your own lives if you think about your life, is I call it, you know, the Back to the Future moment. You know, we all know that movie's trilogy. And it's such a great illustration of how you're going along in life and then you meet one person or go to one event or one thing changes and it changes your entire future. The trajectory of your life. Absolutely. And yet a lot I mean, of times, you know, and a lot of times when you, I mean, for me, it was humbling, right? Because it's like, I'm like, you're older than me, right? In terms mm -hmm. of you've seen at that time more life than me. I mean, that's just a fact of life, right? But yet I'm like, hey, man, I mean, I can clearly see you were hustling, you're trying. And I'm like, you know, this, this thing, what we do is not that hard. And of all people, Dan is willing to put the work in and he can pull this off. And the resources that I could see at the time that we had, it just, I mean, literally, this is the funniest meeting because you come to the office <laughs> and you're like, man, you know, I'm like, Dan, you realize that this will, I promise you, man, I promise you this will work for you. Mm -hmm. You're like, you think so? You're like, okay, I'm in, right? Literally. Mm -hmm. And you had a problem at the time. You had a property that you had under contract for $25,000. How is that a problem? Right? <laughs> I mean, no, but you thought right. meaning... That you're like, you know, I'm going to have to wholesale it. And I'm like, are you crazy? You wouldn't let me. Right. And I'm, this was have my Have I thanked you lately? <laughs> right. I mean, I can't thank you enough. And, you know, and this is where a lot of times people don't understand that I, because I have always been against wholesaling. And it's not that I'm against wholesaling. To me, every time you sell a property, it should bother you. Right. Even if you're going to make a hundred grand, it should bother you. Why? Because I believe you should own every single property you put your hand on. You should not, you make money because you own properties for long periods of time. You only collect your profits when you sell, but then the property is gone. And so this is a property I want to talk through this example because this is such a classic property. Now, this property legitimately, you could have wholesaled at that time and made a good 25,000 bucks. 25 or 30, I think. 25 or 30, right? The problem would be the property would be gone. Right. So now you're sitting there. You're like, well, I, I'm not sure I can afford it, but I cannot not afford it. Mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, and what, what is the problem? Like, well, I don't have the money. <laughs> right. And Miss Mary is in the office, one of uh, our private money lenders. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, just talk to her. You're like, just like that. I'm like, yeah, here, Miss Mary. He needs a loan for a uh, property he's buying. You think loan is good? She gave you the money, period. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, that property you bought for twenty five. Mm -hmm. which you could have sold and made a $25,000 profit. But at the time, you followed kind of the thought process of suggesting. I'm mm -hmm. like, man, listen, not only can you keep the property, but if you want to, you can take some money out of it and own it for the next 10, 20 years. And when you get nice and old, shrunk up like a prune and you're dead, literally that can be a part of your estate. That's right. Right? Are you enjoying the show thus far? You know what they say, knowledge is not power, but rather it's the application of knowledge that is power. That's why we are excited to announce the new dates for our Build Your Empire three-day conference and property tour. At this game-changing event, you'll discover how to build lasting wealth with real estate, learn step-by-step -step methods, avoid common mistakes, and get insights from dozens of real estate and financial experts. If you are listening to the podcast, you know that real estate is a team sport. And we're here to introduce you to the local pros who can help you every step of the way. This event is your opportunity to walk through active real estate deals in Chicago and nearby neighborhoods. And the best part is, you can either attend live or virtually. Go to andrewhomesevents.com and get your early bird tickets now. At the event, you'll see properties being transformed into flips, rentals, or wholesale properties, giving you a rare and valuable learning experience outside the classroom. Meet and learn from successful students who've profited from our mentorship. Hear their stories and struggles, and discover how you can follow in their footsteps, regardless of your background or experience. And so much more. We also have a VIP package that will give you access to our exclusive networking sessions and an opportunity to connect and meet with Andrew himself.
Plus, we even give you a hot lunch all of the days you are there. For more information and to secure your spot, visit andrewhomesevents.com. We sell out every time, so don't miss this opportunity to transform your real estate career. We will see you at our next event. And now, back to the show. Now, what happened in reality in that property? 25 purchase, how much rehab? Well, the rehab should have been probably 40 or 50. Right. But I spent way too much because, you know, I'm new and sure. everything doesn't go. We don't live in a perfect world. So at the end of the day, I was all in for 90000 All in 90000 mm-hmm. What did the, at that time? Right now, this is what, eight, nine years ago? That was 2015. 2015. Okay. Mm -hmm. So 2015. At that time, what did that property appraise for? It appraised for 160. 160. Right? Guys, think about this, right? And this is 2015. You realize that property today is what, a 250 property? Under 250. But the point is, is it's free and clear. You own it still. So not only do I still have it, I don't even have a mortgage on it anymore. And because things have changed, and this is where a lot of times, at the time, you were desperate to sell it, right? right. Because that 25000 at that time meant a lot. Well, hold on. The reality of the situation, because it appraised for one hundred and sixty, when I refinanced, they were going to refinance 70 or 75% of the appraised value. So I could have had the property and a mortgage. And they would have handed me a check for twenty-five or thirty thousand. I mean, you. I say this all the time. You wonder why people risk their lives to come to this great country. Do you, do you, if you didn't hear what Andrew just said, I had nothing. Somebody handed me the money to buy it and fix it up. I refinanced it, and I have a cash flowing property without ever taking a dollar out of my pocket. Guys, How else can you do this? If you if you don't, and this is where a lot of times you know, I mean, I always. Uh, find it amusing. People think, oh my God, you know, I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want to do this. I'm like, guys, listen, the American system, right? The reason we're number one is this country is made for you to mint money, right? You just have to understand how the process works. And as long as we stay in that lane that it is all about business, right? We will be number one, right? right. And this, this whole thing about you buying the property, getting it rehabbed. Now you did the work. No yeah. question about oh, yeah. it. You worked your butt off. I did. Right? So this is not free lunch. No. Right? There's no free lunch here. But now you had a strategy. So that was your property number one. Right. Another kind of critical thing. So you at least was like, okay, this will work for me. Yes. Right? Another critical thing happened uh, where you met your business partner. That's right. Right? So I was speaking at Joe's office, mm-hmm. right? Down the street. Mm-hmm. And you did not know Joe at the time. No. Okay. And how did you happen to show up? Well, there was a small group text that I was included on, and it was, hey, are you going to this meeting in Algonquin today? Right. And the truth is, I wasn't planning on it. I didn't know about it. I was kind of tired from a long day, and I go, the reality is, on a nice summer day, I could actually walk to where this meeting was from my house, so how do I not go? And had I not gone, I wouldn't be sitting here probably today. Right. So you show up. Right. And you meet Joe Mueller, right? Mm-hmm. Joe Mueller from Tennis Group for people in the Chicagoland area. He kind of made his mark as a REO broker, right? Legitimate thousands, thousands of transactions as a REO broker. And sometimes, you know, it's literally showing up. It's life is all about showing up. And then you just have to show up consistently and things will fall in place. Most people don't even show up. You right. showed up, right? Joe was in a transition of going from an REO broker to wanting to do something else because he could see the writing on the wall, the amount of REOs are going down, market is changing, he's got to do something different. You show up in his life Mm -hmm. and you're like, hey man, you were willing to do the hustle, Mm -hmm. meaning you were willing to do the marketing. Joe doesn't really like to talk to people. (laughs) No, I mean, this is what, I mean, Joe would, if if you would have him on the side and if he could just sit and chill, he's just that guy, right? And you're the guy who's more, Animated. Yeah, more of the animated. (laughs) I mean, that's just how it is, right? That's right. So in your wholesale business, you guys kind of found this rhythm of what was Joe's role early on and what was your role? And how did that meet your needs as, because you both of you had two different needs? Well, you know, when you're going to work for a company, you get hired in your area of strength. And when you're going to try to do something for yourself, you have to do it all. 
So you get the best of you and you get the worst of you. And the worst of you is going to limit your growth and success because you don't have all the tools. So because I'm animated and I'm probably a little ADHD and I don't sit still so good and I'm that kind of guy, Joe brought the structure and the systems and had the patience to set up phone campaign a list of phone numbers and you know mail campaigns that get directed to certain numbers so the phone rings i know what you know whether it's a vacant house or it's a tired landlord perhaps right and he put all that end of it together which was huge so think about this right for everybody who wants to be a wholesaler you need obviously some sort of a marketing system you need money from somewhere you need somebody to go out and do that sale right? To meet the interface, build rapport, get the contract signed. Then now you have the contract signed. Now this is just the first end of it. Now you need a back end, which is you need a buyer's list. That's right. Right. Who better than to partner up with somebody who's a REO agent who has a massive, right? Thousands of people are in a buyer's list of thousands of properties that he has sold for the banks. And then, so there's a lot of, because a lot of times, you know, people will be like, well, but you know, uh, Dan, man, you were doing all the front end work, right? But without Joe, would you have made it? No. I mean, some people that don't really look at the situation through the right lenses are like, you're going to partner up with somebody as if to say, so, like, you're going to split all the money with that person? Right. Like, well, I don't think you understand. The mathematical equation isn't going to be one plus one equals two. It's going to be one plus one will hopefully equal five, six, or seven right. kind of mentality. Right. Because when two come together, then greater things can happen. Correct. Yeah. I mean, like I personally always feel like one plus one is 11, not, you know, yeah, not it's two. not two. And a lot of times for them, it was, and at the time, the fact was that you needed somebody who was willing to invest money in terms of doing marketing in terms of taking the front-end risk because you did not have the bandwidth at the time. Listen, let's say it how it is. Joe invested in me. Right. And that was the truth. But then he got paid back pretty good, man. He said, I'm willing to front some marketing money to get the phone to ring. Right. And I told him, I go, if you'll spend money to make the phone ring, I'll make us money. And he said, well, like anything, all right, well, we'll try and see how it goes. Right. And now we here we are years later. Okay. So you guys get the business up and running, mm-hmm. right? And legitimately in the Chicago market, you guys have built a very good wholesale business, right? I mean, there's just no question More about More importantly, that. I think we've built a good reputation. Good reputation, right. Good reputation. And it's not... And one thing that I've always appreciated, because you somewhere along the way maybe caught this, that especially with wholesale, how many deals do you do? I'm like... I don't know. I mean, I'm like, uh, I'm like thirty, or and they look at me like, oh, you know, you, you know, it doesn't really even show up on the Richter scale. There's people who throw around, well, you know, last year we closed three hundred deals, and they're legitimately people doing two, three hundred deals, and I'm like, man, I don't even know how to count that high. Yet you walk out of the meeting, and then they're like, Andrew, how do you afford an airplane? I'm like, well, because I did thirty <laughs> deals last year, right? Uh, I mean. It's it's it, what they don't understand. Number one, they don't understand cash flow, right? Uh, but what they greater don't understand is not the number of deals. It is the net profitability of the deal. Can you explain that whole thing? Well, the asking of how many deals you're doing a month is merely human nature's need to measure people. You know, people, you know, I jokingly say, men, we're, we're as shallow as it gets. Here's for people that don't know, I'm going to break the code here. This is how men evaluate and judge other men. Hey, man, what do you do for work? Oh, I'm an architect. Really? Wow, that sounds kind of impressive. Yeah. Where do you live? Oh, I live in Blanktown. Wow, that's kind of the high rent district over there. Hey, uh, is that your. No, no, hold on. You know, I got I to I gotta say this, right? We start, the kids start with how far can you pee? Right? right. I mean, <laughs> right. Right. This is like, I mean, it's like, always listen, a measurement. With guys, and this is historical, right? This is this is just how we're built. So if you're mad, go blame God, right? right. Because, I mean, we're. It's not our fault. That's the way God made us. Men operate at a, base, at a base level, right? And this is before Jesus Christ, before any of this, is <laughs> basically 
it's like who can fight better, who can be a badass. Right. And still today, there's a carryover. We're just trying to be badasses in our own sophisticated way. That's really what this is. But so, what is so the reality? part of the story is is that doing these deals, uh, at least chasing the off market stuff, and I think a lot can be said about any vertical within real estate, is that it's a lot like the game of golf. In golf, people are forever working on a swing. Got to work on the swing. Got to work on the swing. There's a lot of guys that probably should invest in lessons, but they invest in new clubs every three years. Like that's going to fix the problem. But the reality is, when you have a nice swing in golf, the only thing that changes is what club you put in your hand. So if you put a three iron, the ball goes far, and an eight iron, it doesn't go as far. It's really that simple. Well, the same can be said of doing the deals we do. It's all the same activity. It's all the same potential headaches and hurdles to overcome. The only thing that's different is, I mean, the least we made on a wholesale deal one time was $500. And people say, why would you even bother? Well, the point is, that wasn't our goal. We didn't. Ex- I didn't expect to make $500, but I did make a commitment to a seller. And it's my job to, to, follow, make sure, to follow through and make sure that house is sold and not just bail out on it because I'm not going to make enough money. So you do the right thing. So we make 500 on that one. And then we've had a couple deals that if I wasn't a part of them, and some guy at a bar told me he was doing this, I'd flat out call him a liar. But, How is that even possible? No, because I mean, I'm over $100,000. Yes. Right? I mean, a good over, and we know these deals, right? And and here's the thing. This is, this is where the difference is. And if you're going to listen to this podcast, this is probably the, I hope you draw this away from it. The guys, listen. You can do wholesales from here to Kingdom Come. I promise you, and I promise you this, and I'll take anybody who does wholesales or anybody who you know think does wholesales. I'll write you a check personally for ten thousand bucks, no questions asked. If they can show me assets, the problem. This is a big problem with wholesalers, right? That why are we doing wholesales? Why are we doing flips? Right. The reason for that is because you want monthly cash flow. That's the whole point of why we try to do wholesales because we want deals that produce cash. Why do you do flips? You you want flips so that it produces cash. And a lot of times people get so caught up because they think they're in the wholesaling business. There's no such thing as a wholesaling business. Wholesaling should be a means to an end of producing cash flow. Right? Wholesaling is probably one of the best things you could do to build a business so you have cash flow because that cash flow will take care of you for the rest of your life. Right. Why does that transition not happen and why did that happen for you? And it's a difficult transition. I mean, we're I'm going through this with Blake right now. Phenomenal wholesaler. And he's like, man, you know, there's there's so much equity in the property. I want to sell it to Andrew. I'm like, no, dude. You know, you'll find more properties. I promise you, you are really good at finding more properties. You can't sell this son of a gun. It boils down to a very simple decision. Do you want the now money or do you want the forever money? And if you're actively pursuing off-market deals and you're using it as an income replacement for the nine-to-five job that you hate going to, the ideal thing is to do both if you can. So, uh, you know, when Joe and I started working together, we had a little different need. You know, Joe already had a nice rental portfolio. So while he wasn't opposed to properties, he was looking for income replacement. Sure. And while I was looking for some income too, I was looking to build, you know, a portfolio of properties for the, the forever money. So today, over time, we've accomplished both. So today, we're still buying and keeping properties. And today, we're still buying and sometimes, you know, selling them off. And even your needs have changed, right? Uh, all three of your daughters are through their college. They're married. So that part of the responsibility of a family is done, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, because you're in a different stage. That's your right. wife... Fortunately, as you call, she went back to work. She did. Right? And now, I mean, she has a phenomenal job. She's a great, right? great I job. I mean, she's traveling. She's, you know, she loves what she does. She I mean, does. it's a great thing that 
you guys are so it's not necessarily that you guys need money to spend right but now you're more focused on building wealth for the long term would that be a correct way of putting it yes and the correct way of putting it too is uh, well at least my i mean my wife's working like a dog but she loves it she was out of the work for so long she's not uh you know approaching 60 and burned out from working right she's deeply engaged and she has a challenging job and and she just you know loves it which is great but at the end of the day uh, on my side is you know i don't want to sound like at my age i'm a man of diminishing goals you know i mean you know when people are 20 and 30 they're everyone's trying to take the mountain and then when you realize that you've been through something and tomorrow's guaranteed to nobody you can have all the money in the world and you can't take it with you and so uh, having the freedom to take the time sometimes to do the things you want to do and not have to answer to the man is really a nice way to go. If I had a nine-to-five job, I wouldn't be here today. Right. I'd have a job. Right. And this is something, I mean, now you've built a portfolio of properties. you paid a bunch of them down, right? Uh, and you're continuing to build that portfolio. So clearly you guys have cash flow coming in. Mm-hmm. And you realize today, right, that the estate you will pass on, you'll Kids legitimately, each one of them will end up being multi-millionaires. I don't know about that, but I, I do know that uh, it's every parent's goal to leave something behind to their kids. And will they want to continue to manage properties? It may or not be in their DNA. That's their choice. That's their choice. But you know, I feel I've done my job. You have if left I can, a legacy. If I can hand them, hand them something that has some value, other than the memories of. Being my kids. <laughs> right. No, I mean, that makes uh, <clears throat> that makes perfect sense. So today, I mean, and I've seen this change, right? I mean, as, uh, and again, part of this is age, part of this is realizing that, hey, man, now I have some choices I did, right? You like to ride, meaning a bike, mm-hmm. right? So you do this interesting uh, bike across Iowa. I do. Right? So uh, is this something like a passion project? Where did this come from? <laughs> well, the truth is, uh, on the backside of the cancer journey, I went over to the health club and I walked slow for about 10 minutes on the treadmill. And I came home and I was just like literally wiped out. I couldn't believe it. And I had a buddy that was over talking to me. I was kind of just, you know, talking out loud, thinking out loud. I said, you know, I feel like I need to do something of su- that's substantial to give myself a goal, something to kind of work towards. And I said, so when the weather starts getting nice, I'm going to get my bike out. And uh, I don't care if it takes me all day, but by the end of the summer, it's going to be my goal to ride a bicycle in one day, 100 miles. And without even a pregnant pause, he says, I'll do that with you. And he kind of caught me off guard because I wasn't pitching it as if to say, will you do this? He just instinctively said he would do it. And I said, do you have a bike? He goes, no. I'll go buy one. I go, you're going to go buy a bike. He goes, yeah, why not? I go, yeah, why not? And over the course of the summer, we rode and rode and rode. And we did 100 miles at the end of the year. It was a feeling of accomplishment. And by the time you've ridden that many miles, I realized, hey, I kind of like this. So I went out and bought myself a nice carbon fiber you know, road bike. And I probably have 12,000, 13,000 miles on that bike at this point. Right. And so you do this. So I want to go back and I want to kind of go through this uh, a little bit, right? So from your end, now knowing what you know uh, and you have experience, a lot of people are like, well, let's get into a little bit of the meat of them, right? Okay. And that is, so let's just say now knowing what you know, where do I go find my leads? Where would you go? What website, what tools would you say that you feel would be value to the audience? Well. You have to decide whether you have more time or more money. If you have no money, then maybe you want to cold call. Okay. You know, get a list, have it skip trace, get phone numbers, and bang the phones. But again, just be ready. Statistically, I'm told it's about a thousand dials to a deal. Okay. And that's if you know what you're doing. I mean, you have to know what you're doing. Otherwise, there's no deal to be had, mm-hmm. no matter what you do. We choose to continue to do a lot of direct mail. We deal largely with an older audience, and older people seem to respond a little better to that, where cold calling, you know, you're you're intruding on them. When you send a direct mail piece, you're throwing out 
debate, and then they'll decide whether they have any interest, and they'll call us. Now, a lot of the people that call us, you know, aren't motivated or want to know why they're getting postcards or letters or, you know. So you're going to have to sift through the sand to find the gold nuggets. But what's exciting about it, and we talked about some of the high-dollar deals that have come, you know, I used to wonder, you know, who plays that scratch-off lottery? You know, you see people in a liquor store, scratch lose, scratch lose. They do it because they're hoping, or maybe they've had a winner before. We, I get the same attitude. Every time the phone rings, my heart beats a little fast. I go, this could be the next giant deal. It's exciting. And the reason I ask that is because a lot of times, right, I mean, you have your prop streams in the world. You have all my leads. You have, I mean, a million different websites, mm-hmm. right? And, like, we, I like prop stream. I like uh, ILFLS. I like, you know. At the end of the day, guys, listen, the secret is all the data comes from one place. Most of this data is all, not most, I mean, most, I mean, almost 99.999% of data that's out there, guess what it is? It's public records, right? Public records. I mean, it's just a matter of where, what site, what, whatever, and some are cheaper, some are more expensive, some have all these frills to it. At the end of the day, you're buying public records. That's really what this is. Listen, stop stressing about what list and what just take imperfect action you know some people i feel like they want to go to a thousand meetings and listen to a thousand webinars and all this stuff like thinking i'm just one nugget away from having all the answers and the truth is i don't have all the answers and you just jump off the building and grow wings on the way down and then the best thing to do is surround yourself with a group of like-minded people that are doing the same things you're doing so you have resources to pick up the phone and go, hey, what do I do about this situation? Hey, uh, how do you get a key from a seller at, You know, when you wrote a contract on the house? What do you say to get the key? It'd be nice to pick up the phone and call somebody that's involved in a, maybe a group that you're involved in that's more than willing to help you. That's the nice thing. And then the other thing, you know, for all the people listening to this kind of thing, the only thing I want you to think about when you're done listening to this and think back to any other thing you've listened to up till now, and the question is, why not me? We're not, we're not doing anything that's never been done before. We're simply being involved with people that are doing the things we want to do that are taking us by the hand and say, let's do it this way and say this and do that. And you too can get the results if you put the work in. And, you know, this isn't like sitting on the couch watching NFL football on Sunday going, well, I'm not six, nine, 400 pounds or whatever. I'm never going to play football. This is something anybody can do. Tall, short, thin, fat, beautiful, ugly. It just doesn't matter. Real estate isn't the thing. Real estate's the thing that gets you the thing. It allows the freedom. You get choices in life. I mean, I jokingly say, you know, at the point where I lost the job, that was pretty humbling. It was pretty scary and uncertain. And, you know, I jokingly say now, man, I wish they would have fired me five years sooner. And the thing is, you're never too late. It's never too late to start. start. That's 100%. So in terms of uh, you guys prefer mailings because you don't go after necessarily financially distressed properties. You guys actually go after the opposite. Mm-hmm. Most of the properties you guys are buying, a lot of them, there's not even a mortgage on them. Well, every property is in distress at some point. It's we right. find that either the property is in distress or the people yeah, are in distress, distress or sometimes there's circumstantial divorces and right. deaths in the family, sure. things of that nature. Got it. And then in terms of you started, though, with something that most people will laugh at, and that is bandit signs. Yeah. Right? How many over the, about, you did bandit signs for how many years? You would <coughs> well, quite, I mean, quite a few, all, all the way up until 2019, where in Illinois, anyways, wholesaling became a licensed activity. Right. And licensed activity means you have to put your name in brokerage and sure. all that on any marketing piece so we had to do away with that because we're running a above board operation. above board okay so basically for three four years you were doing bandit signs mm-hmm. every weekend mm-hmm. what about in winter yeah 
I mean, so it didn't matter. Stick it in the snowbank. So, yeah, I mean, it, no, and, and this is, and how many signs were you, would you say you were putting out every weekend? You know, so the short story, when I met Joe, he asked me what I was doing. I go, well, I buy like 200 signs and I ration them. What, what do you mean ration them? Well, I don't want to use them all up because then I won't have any signs left. They might not have a deal. So I put 20 this week and maybe 10 the next week. He starts laughing. He goes, well, what do you want to do? I go, I don't know, 50, 75, 100 every week? Yeah, we can do that. And we were buying signs a thousand at a time. Right. Okay. So, uh, so basically, you guys are buying, and you're putting up bandit signs. Yeah. And you had, you got to a point where you eventually had somebody that was putting it out for you. Of course. Right. Of course. And then he's picking it up on uh, on uh, Sunday evening or something. Yeah. No. Right. No, you're just leaving it out. Okay. Got it. So now you went from that to you do ma- more mails today. Right. Right. So some other people do like big wholesalers, TV ads. They do VAs will do calls. Why did you pick mail for you guys? Well, because we can control the area to which it goes. Okay. Zip codes. We live a little geographically inconvenient to the hotbed of a lot of real estate activity in the Chicagoland area. So we target areas up towards us a little closer. You guys live far northwest part of Chicago. And then so it's your guys' towns and then the farms. Right? I mean, basically, I mean, there's... You know, I mean, there's... We're not at the edge of the earth, but if you get up on a tall building, you can probably see it. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, so basically they're kind of far northwest part of Chicago suburbs. Right. Is really where you guys are. And this is people are like, well, are there properties there? I'm like, guys, how many are you looking for? Right. You realize 10 good properties with good profit, you make half a million bucks, if not more. Right. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of uh, how many properties are you looking to buy? Right. You don't need that many. Right. And, and you guys find plenty of deals. Well, and time is your most valuable resource. And if I'm an hour and 20-minute drive from a property that I'm trying to go to two or three times a week to check on contractors, and do a, I mean, that's a big time suck right. that I could be doing other things. Right. So that's why you've kind of kept your business geographic, right, in the uh, property, in the areas you guys are in. Any other things that you feel that you guys tried, maybe work for other people, don't work as well for you guys? You know, there's a lot of rah-rah nationally about virtual wholesaling. Right. And that's because people are selling education. Right. And if they think they're only going to sell the education to the people that live in the top 50 you know, markets in the country, that's going to limit it. So the idea is you can live anywhere, Western Wyoming, right. and you can do deals in Atlanta and Dallas and Chicago. Right. We went down that road. Okay. And we did some remote virtual wholesaling in Memphis and in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. So the truth is, can it be done? Anything can be done. It can be done. Our experience was that was doable, but even harder than doing deals right in your backyard. I meet people in the Chicagoland area, and they tell me they want to virtually wholesale. I go, you're kidding me, right? We live in the third largest population Central, base yeah. in the country. If you can't find deals in your own backyard... I mean, there's what are you doing? Wrong, right. I mean, <laughs> you know, last year there were over a quarter million properties that were sold in a, in a slow year, meaning not as much inventory in Chicago. I mean, how many do you need? Right. It's it, and this is where it's this whole nonsense about virtual wholesaling to me is is so silly. Why? Right. Any town you live in within a fifty mile radius, there are so many transactions. Ten of you, twenty of you, thirty of you cannot do the number of transactions that take place, for God's sake, right? This is just more uh, making it more complicated, more fancy, and it sounds good. They're like, oh, you know, I'm doing a deal in Atlanta. I'm like, what for? I mean, you're in one of the, especially in Chicago, you're in one of the most profitable damn markets in the country, period, right? And why would you go anywhere else? Listen, I'm showing my age again when I say this, but half of life is showing up, right? And if you can show up and be present, I mean, again, we don't, you know, again, we're not trying to measure how many deals a month we're doing. We're, we do a lot of screening, have a lot of conversations before I even get in the car. But over the course of time, I'd like to think I'm probably seven out of 10. But I goes, I'm not driving around looking at houses. I'm going there with an, a plan to buy a house. And that's why I go and I'm prepared to do so when so, I go. There's a, I mean, today, right, um, 
Now, obviously, if you look at mastery, right, what, 13,000, uh, 1,300 people in mastery, uh, close to almost 20,000 plus rentals owned today, right? I mean, it's, it's a, that group is a whole different. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, it's mind-blowing numbers. But when we, you know, when we look at these kind of numbers, right, so we're as a group, we take pride in amount of properties we own rather than necessarily properties we sell or wholesale. Like That's right. Even yours, somebody like you. Right. Uh, we're laughing. Oh, my God, you did this many. Home, and I have the highest amount of respect for you guys because you guys are legitimate. But the conversation always has been is then how many properties do you own? Right. Because that's something that is your true wealth. Right. But it, there's this concept with wholesalers. And this is a late in the last few years that we don't even go see people. We just sign contracts on the phone, which is great. I mean, from a time you tend to still, you're old school. I mean, that's why I said you're an old guy, right? You're mm-hmm. old school. You still like to go see people, build rapport still? That's the part of the process that I like. Okay. I mean, the truth be told, houses aren't that interesting to me. And when it comes to doing work, there's not a blister on my hands. I don't do any work even in my own house. So, you know, again, you have to figure out where you fit into the big world of real estate. But I'm not the guy that gets all excited and wants to walk around Home Depot for an hour. Like, that's, I, I dread that. Right. It's so it's not my you, thing. You, one of the things you enjoy is going to the homeowners, building rapport, building passion. I mean, it, there's a, you know, building confidence, helping them. I like and, to make a new friend and I like to help people get from where they are and be the bridge to get them to a better place. Where they want to go. Okay. And if I can do that for people, that's a feel good for me. Got it. Because again, mm-hmm. we're dealing with people that sometimes have a situation. And really, wholesaling business is. Guys, listen, people, you know, the old Zig Ziglar quote, right? People will give you everything you want, right? If you're willing to just help enough people, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's really, with wholesaling, that's really what it is. You're identifying people that are in a situation. You didn't put them in there, right? They're there because of whatever. Whatever right. this, your job as a person is, hey, is there something here? And can I help them get out of this? I mean, right? I've done crazy things. I had a lady that, you know, gives me a story how she... Used to be a FedEx pilot, and now she's this, and she's losing her house to foreclosure. She's trying to refit. Like, she's got a million things going. Her house's not good. She's about my age, and she's renting a car for 50 bucks a day so she can drive DoorDash, et cetera. And she goes, yeah, I really have to make 150 a day just to even make it worthwhile. And at the time, I had an extra car around. I go, I got a car you can use. And I charged her a little bit of money a lot less than $50 a day, and I was happy to do it because they could, you know. So today, looking back at, I mean, you've come a long way, right? Yeah. Uh, from some, and this is not relatively 2015 till today. That's a seven-year, eight-year run, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, legitimately, financially, you've put yourself in a very good position in a fairly short amount of time, right? What would you say to people that are listening to this? Where do they start? Well, if you're, you know, if you know about the three day coming up, well, you absolutely want to be a part of that and understand what this group is in our market and what it can do for you. But the big thing is take any action. And I would, my advice is pick one thing. You know, real estate's got a lot of things. People are doing Airbnbs and they're doing rentals and they're doing flips and they're doing wholesaling and they want to do sub two and lease options. And you're not doing all those things. Pick one thing and stick to it. And stick to it until you have it going, and then maybe move and expand to something else. But you know, you talk about how 10 properties can change your life. So, of course, Joe and I have what we have, and my wife and I have less than 10 properties. Those properties are averaging $767 a door and currently has $1.6 million in equity. So if people think they're not making enough money fast enough, the reality is, in the course of time, since we started doing this, that's a net gain of $337,000 a year. How bad can that be? It's not, right? And, and this is where a lot of times what people don't realize is, guys, listen, anybody that tells you, you have to do big deals, I promise you this, and I will bet anybody any amount of money. It's money is made with simple, boring things over a period of time. And, right? and you say, and I respect the huck out of it, it's not a get-rich scheme. It's every day, take a step forward, and small steps 
over time, again, it started with one property that you would not let me sell. Thank God you didn't let me sell it because that opened my eyes to what's possible. And from there, we just kind of, again, it's not a race. You don't have to have 50. You don't have 100. You know, because again, we're all in the measurement business. And listen, don't get me wrong. I have all the respect for the people that have so many properties because I know the time and energy and work that they put into making that happen. And it's admirable and it's millions of dollars and it's loads of cash flow. And I think that's the greatest. But you have to ask for yourself, what are your needs and wants? And it doesn't have to be this big giant goal. How about just some financial security? And how about have a life 10 years from now that's better than my life is now? Let's start there. No, 100%. Um, damn, man, this has been uh, uh, lo- loads of fun. So thanks a bunch, as always. And I think for everybody that listened, today's uh, more than wholesales. We talked about kind of what got you here, right? right? So, and I think this will be uh, really uh, something that people will enjoy listening to. So, guys, uh, for the whole cash flow squad, remember it's all about the cash flow. And uh, there are two types of people: either you have enough cash flow coming in, or you have too much going out. So, if you're the person <laughs> who has too much coming in, you're in good shape. If you're too much going out, that means every single day you're basically running on a treadmill with, the, and you don't know what to do. Having said that, thanks a bunch, Dan. This was awesome. Talk to you guys soon. Please share, like, and subscribe, and we'll talk to you soon. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Cash Flow for Life podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. Achieving financial freedom is all about creating the necessary cash flow in your life. Our team has designed an entire ecosystem for you to be able to not only become a successful real estate investor, but for you to build higher cash flows month after month. Join our community at www.nationalreinvest.com to see which event is coming up that you can be a part of and how you can be a part of our community. Once again, it's www.nationalreinvest.com. We will see you on the next episode.